The Start On Demand. On demand. It's Friday, which means we try to have a little bit of extra fun. We like to have fun all week long, but on Fridays we make even more of an effort to do so. And today we talked about the songs that make you strut. Because listen, for many of us, the only escape we have right now is to go for a walk. So when you go for that walk, what song gives you that extra pep in your step? But we'll also talk about the fact that reality is starting to set in pretty hard here in Manitoba. The PST will not be reduced due to COVID-19. And we'll tell you about a Winnipeg-based streaming service for kids. And as you can guess, their traffic right now is blowing up. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, March 27th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Guys, can I tell you something just kind of funny and sort of stupid to start the show here? Oh, please sure. do. Please okay. do. Okay, so two days ago, uh, I get up, and I the only time that I am not wearing contact lenses is when I first wake up and essentially when it's time to go to bed. Otherwise, I'm wearing contacts. I have glasses, but they're like, the prescription is at least 10 years out of date, so they're, they're scratched. They're, they're, they're awful. They're just awful. They, they essentially kind of get me by just so I don't walk into the wall. But so I, in my grogginess and with my lousy glasses i went to pour myself a glass of chocolate milk and somehow (laughs) i missed the glass and poured it (laughs) onto the floor and uh and i still like today i'm i walk into the kitchen after i put my contact lenses in and i and i I keep finding random chocolate milk splatter marks (laughs) all over the kitchen like I, i just I'm down on my hands and knees. I've just gotten out of the shower. I'm trying to clean up, and I'm sure I'm going to go home, and maybe I'll find some on the ceiling. I, I don't know. Take the contacts I'm... out, and you won't see the mess. You'll just <laughs> be blind again. Then yes. you won't even know it's there. That Good is strategy. A, I love that solution. <laughs> Loren McNabb, always solving problems. So anyway, that's how my day started, down to my hands and knees, cleaning up chocolate milk stains. Well, can, can I tell you how my day started? Yes. Around 2 a.m., I woke up to a dream that I had missed the show. And I had, in my dream, it was 7 a.m. when I woke up. And now I had missed, you know, four hours of work and the start of the show. And so I could not fall back asleep because I was sure my alarm wasn't going to go off. And so I've been up now for a solid four hours. That's fun, right? Yeah, that's when I got up. Uh, I think I, my my alarm first went off off at uh, oh, two. I don't know why you do that. I like to. I, I just why like to two? ease in. I, I, I well, for one, I set it for two o'clock because I rarely actually get up at two o'clock. There's two o'clock. There's two fifteen, two twenty five, two thirty five, two fifty. Usually, I end up getting up by two twenty five, and then I can just kind of ease into my day. I don't like to just get up and go, uh, so I like to ease into the day. You don't sense like you're trying to trick yourself with all these different alarms. I'm I'm guilty of doing the same thing as well. If Jackie wasn't tired of it, 
up until now, she's really tired of it now because now I've set a couple of extra alarms because I don't have to drive to work so I can save myself 20 minutes and try and get a, a few more minutes in bed. But those aren't super restful for her. Well, I, I try uh, the, the extra alarms are there only as a safety blanket, right? Because sometimes I get up first crack and sometimes I just keep hitting snooze. And there was that one day where I was late and showed up, I think, three minutes before six o'clock. So mm -hmm. uh, because I managed to snoo sleep through all of them somehow. Uh, so, yeah, I need those extra alarms just in case. Well, all the right. worst part about this dream was that, not the worst, the most frustrating part was that I wake up and I go, oh my gosh, it's seven. And in my dream, my husband says, I'm late for work. Like he's late for work. And I'm like, you're late for work. I'm three hours behind. <laughs> and then that resulted in me being like, I woke up annoyed and mad at him. Like, you know, you roll over and I'm looking at him like, you're late for work. You don't know late for work. And yeah. I, just, <laughs> it's always I, a competition, <laughs> eh, McNabb? <laughs> it is. It is. I am more late than you. Let me tell you. Show some respect. You want to know about late for work? I'll tell you about late for work. I'll show you what's for dinner. I'll tell you what's what. So if you go to our 680 CJOB Instagram story, you're going to see a picture from downtown Winnipeg last night. Uh, Loren, you sent us this. It was a tweet from Kate Fenske from downtown Winnipeg Biz. What is the picture? Well, I think it's just an example of what we all need to keep reminding ourselves is to keep our hearts and minds open. She put this, uh, retweeted a photo that was taken outside the Fairmont last night. So that's right downtown. And I don't know, how, I, well, I know how they did it. They, they, they've created a heart out of the front facing windows. So had gone into all these rooms so that they were each lit up in a way that it shaped into a heart outside the Fairmont Winnipeg last night. And so that's just one of the many things we were talking about how I was telling you guys about how these videos out of other cities like Vancouver, where people are getting on their balconies to clap at a specific time every night and cheer for frontline workers. Just uh, beautiful tributes to folks at this time of need. Now here's an example from Vancouver. <laughs> It's pretty impressive seeing the footage on Twitter because a lot of these videos are being taken from high-rise apartments, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they so they just kind of pan the camera back and forth, and uh, the applause is coming from all over the place. I guess they do that. Is it seven o'clock their time or five o'clock their time? I believe it's seven p.m. I've seen different ones. My parents are out there, and they said they they heard one at six p.m. last night and another at seven. And it might just be in their case, it started in their high rise where someone put a note in the elevator, and, and you know everyone kind of agreed to step out at that time and do it. Um, but it's also been spreading on social media. And I saw last night video of frontline workers, doctors, and nurses, and healthcare aides stepping outside the hospital during that time, and. Uh, I'm getting teary saying it, applauding back, right? Saying thank you back because that little 10 seconds is a boost to them too, I'm sure. McNabb's getting emotional. <laughs> it's early. I've been up hey, since I, two, for God's sake. No, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mocking you. <laughs> Between the, the, the three of us are, are sort of all, uh, it sounds like we're all criers because Mackling, you too uh, get emotional from time to time. Yeah, no question. Yesterday I tweeted, retweeted something from the t Today Show uh, 
song, a montage of images from around the world, very similar to what you were just talking about, Loren. We've been seeing this in Italy for a couple of weeks now and in Spain. I think I mentioned last week about the gentleman who was uh, conducting an exercise program from the courtyard in a in a multi-unit, multi-story apartment complex in Spain, and they put all these different images together with a music bed and uh I didn't well I wasn't just teary I I was absolutely bawling when I watched this and um I think a lot of us have some pent up emotion right now and and every once in a while it's uh, super healthy I think to uh let that emotion go and when we're seeing these positive things it, it's I think it's very good for us Plus, we, you know, in these moments, we all feel like you want to do something. So I, listeners, let us know if you see this happening in your neighborhood in Winnipeg or these sorts of um, quick two-minute shout-outs. I'd love to know if we're doing this anywhere in Winnipeg or Manitoba or, or what your community might be doing to show your thanks and appreciation. I think it's also, Brad, about just that human contact. I went for a walk yesterday with the kids. Um, I saw one of my neighbors coming to down the street on the other way with her kids and we both paused on the you know opposite sides of the road and had this conversation for one quick minute and then everybody went on their way keeping their distance and I can't tell you the boops that gave me for the rest of my day, that day seeing someone that I know and love and haven't been able to hang out with on a regular basis it just it made all the difference in the world text us at 204-780-6868 like Kevin the garbage man who says wow I can't hit snooze so many times my alarm is set for 1:50 a.m. Oh, no, and I hit snooze once and that's it good for you Kev Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. The reality is setting in for many Manitobans that we're in this COVID-19 fight for the long haul. Yeah, and the Premier signaling that yesterday, guys, by announcing that that planned PST cut that was supposed to go into effect in July, well, it's now on hold because of this huge financial strain of the COVID-19 pandemic. Brian Palster gave a dire economic forecast for the province yesterday. And as Global's Brittany Greenslade reports, he's looking to Ottawa for help. Cutting the PST from 7 to 6% this summer is on hold. So is the provincial carbon tax. The Premier says the province is under too much financial strain with COVID-19. Well, the PST decrease um, won't happen this year. Those changes will have to wait. Right now, we're fighting a pandemic. Premier Brian Palster says COVID-19 is hitting Manitoba's economy hard and says his government is predicting a $5 billion deficit. Our revenue is down. Not a little, a lot. Way down. And the province's rainy day fund, that nearly $800 million piggy bank, won't last long. Our funds could be gone in three months or less. And should the situation deteriorate uh, further or faster, that uh, savings fund will be used up even sooner. The Premier is calling on Ottawa for emergency federal funds to allow the provinces to borrow money, lots of money, at a cheaper interest rate. We're simply asking for it to act as an intermediary so we can use its credit rating in order to pay less on borrowing. Uh, This is not a handout program. So far... No response from Ottawa. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. 
Well, let's take a look at the fight against the coronavirus right now. Manitoba added one more COVID-19 case yesterday, with the total now at 36. But more tests are being done. We told you yesterday about one Winnipeg doctor has been waiting eight days now for her test results. New screening centres are opening up around the province. And Dr. Brent Rusin says the criteria for testing has also been expanded. We are expanding our testing criteria to include the groups uh, of people at risk of contracting or spreading COVID-19 and are showing respiratory symptoms. So these would include all symptomatic healthcare providers, individuals who live or work in a remote or isolated community, including a First Nations community, people who live or work in a group setting, such as a correctional facility, shelter, long-term care, or residential facility, or remote work camp. It was two weeks ago today that the province announced it was suspending classes until April 13th. Dr. Rusin said yesterday that it was unlikely the social distancing strategies we've seen would be lifted by that date. He said more on that is coming, but based on what we're seeing, Loren, I think it's fair to say most parents were feeling that a return to school is not coming anytime soon. Yeah, I think honestly most parents were thinking that when this first got announced, just based on what you're seeing elsewhere in the world and how long different lockdowns and whatnot have been in effect. I I don't imagine there's anyone who believes we're going back to school soon, Greg. I will say I've got to give a big shout out to the teachers just yesterday. Kids had a video chat with their teacher, um, the whole class on board, and so everyone's doing what they can. But yep, Brett, April 13th, uh, I'm sure we're, we're in this for a lot longer than that. Here is the headline at globalnews.ca, Greg, co-parenting in the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, and of course, social media has been filled with challenges of having our children home. For some of us, it has been two full weeks teaching and parenting and hopefully working and maintaining your relationship in the most stressful of times and under less than ideal circumstances, McNabb. Physical distancing, being home day after day, will put a strain on any healthy relationships. You know, we even in our own home, after we picked up groceries from a click and collect yesterday, had that conversation as husband and wife about how we bring the groceries inside and how to wash things down and, you know, where do we sit with with how far we need to go with this. And so for some Canadians, the fallout of the pandemic has already been or will be job loss and financial strain. Let's add another cog in the wheel to this. What if you're already in a dissolved partnership or marriage. Laurel Gregory is the voice and face of Global's Family Matters. She's been exploring what life is like in co-parenting and split family situations. Lisa and Spencer Ruthianj co-parent their daughter Madison. With school closures, they've had to tweak their routine a bit. Spencer basically has me acting as school slash out of school care. So he drops her off in the morning as per his regular work routine. I do my best to fuddle through grade five math. Navigating the changes has been relatively simple given the Rufianges have shared custody and their best friends. I can certainly see how uh, it would be more difficult for um, co-parents that are maybe not quite on the same page that this would add to it. Obviously the COVID-19 is stressful for everybody but you add a divorce on top of that and it just becomes overwhelming. The founder of Fairway Divorce Solutions recommends co-parents make a family plan of how they're going to weather the coming months. The number one thing that needs to be on there is obviously the protection of the kid. 
Kids, the next thing is protection of the emotional well-being. One of them should be what are the conversations that are going to be off limits during the time that we're in isolation. We're not gonna talk about you know, the future financial situation. We're not gonna talk about the long-term custody arrangements. Psychologist Vanessa Lapointe says it's important for parents to diffuse situations by looking beyond their ex's reactions. Rather than going to, you can't keep my kids from me, you're being um, unreasonable and all this, go to, oh, I wonder what's up for them. I wonder if, you know, they're really scared and controlling things this way is allowing them to feel more settled in all of this and and just hear them in that. Hearing and trusting each other help the Rufianges uncouple but unite as co-parents. Their advice? Deal with the differences later. Laurel Gregory, Global News. Yeah, I, Making I, this the best story... decisions for the kids, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, when you think about that, guys, when you think about just all the conversations you've had with your friends or your family members or your parents about, like, you know, what are the rules as we navigate this uncertain world, you throw in the throw in the possibility that you may not get along with your ex-partner or you may be co-parenting or all those things. I just, the, the, the stress that that would add, Brett, I just can't imagine. Well, I would, again, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to deal with any of that sort of stuff, but I'm just curious about the, the stress that uh, you guys are experiencing right now with your kids being at home. Like, for example, uh, Loren, uh, I mean, you're working from home, so I would imagine that uh, provides an assist. But let's say, for example, you did not have the option to work from home. Uh, what would you do right now? Yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. And we like I know I'm privileged right now to be in this position and, and to be able to sit at home uh, and work and then get up, get up after 10 and, you know, get the kids going on schoolwork and all the rest. We've heard from listeners who say they don't know what to do. They're in that situation. They have to work all day. They have to put their kids in a daycare because they're frontline workers. And then they have to come home and think, did they do anything school related today? Now I have to do a couple hours of schoolwork or, you're, or, or that's the stress that you're thinking, right? So what would I do if I, if I couldn't work at home? I, I don't know. I don't have family as an option. Family doesn't live close to us and you know you'd I'd, I guess I'd have to figure out some sort of daycare option if I qualified to put them in a daycare I just I don't know and Mackling in terms of uh, as as the story pointed to uh, being home all day is going to put a strain on any healthy relationship so like uh, hopefully I'm not being too nosy here but have you, do you have you had to sort of institute any safeguards with your bride to ensure that your relationship remains rock steady and you don't get sick of each other well, you know, hey, I uh, just want to say straight up, both of us are so grateful to be working right now. We know how difficult a time it is for so many people. We've we've heard stories of layoffs this week and, and that sort of thing. So I want to be perfectly clear about that. But both of us working, the hours and how they're sort of staggered does help out because by the time we're wrapped here around 10 o'clock, Jackie's been at it for a couple of hours. And we've been giving the boys an opportunity to uh, to, to, to sleep in a little bit. But but that comes with a trade-off in terms of making sure that their homework gets done. But yesterday, it just you could feel the tension building a little bit because, you know, the kids get rambunctious. And so I took them out of the house for a solid hour and a half yesterday. We just went for a drive. We drove up to Selkirk. We kind of did a loop. We made a couple phone calls to family and friends that we uh, aren't able to see right now and caught up that way. 
And you know what? When we, by the time we got back, you could just sense the relief on Jackie's face that she wasn't having to deal with the, with the ambient noise of the TV or the video games. And we took the dogs with us in the car as well. And I think it just, just gave her a chance to breathe. So, so the, the, part of that story that jumped out for me was thinking about the other person and the other people in your house and what they might be needing right now. And uh, I think that's a, a good guiding value in all of this, Brett. Kelly Moore is pumping his fists right now. Oh, I wish I'd have picked this one. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned it earlier this week. The Man by the Killers is a song that makes me strut when I go out for a walk. Makes me want to do that ridiculous uh, strut dance that Tobey Maguire did in Spider-Man 3. But uh, you know what? I probably could do that because there are very few people on the road right now. So I wouldn't bump into that. But yeah, we want to talk about music that makes you strut when you're going out for a walk because it's one of the few things we can do right now to get out of the house is just go for a walk. So Tristan Field Jones is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier is here. Tristan, since you're the guest of honor today and for Jeff Braun, why don't we uh, start with you? What would you select? I just kind of want to keep listening to The uh, the Man by the Killers because that's actually a great tune. It is a great tune. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, actually, I do have a, a tune that gets me pumped up. Um, and Greg Mackling, I'm sure, will appreciate this very much. It's a song by the Foo Fighters, one of my all-time favorite bands, and it's called Bridge Burning. And this is just such a great tune if you need to wake up in the morning or if you just need to you know, go for a run or a walk, and you'll see why here. If you weren't awake before, by the way. Was this a single? It possibly was. I know it's the first track off that 2011 album, so, but it's just, yeah, it's one of these where I listen to it and... I'm sure, Greg, you'd agree with this. How can you not get pumped up listening to something like this? That opening 30 seconds sets the table, and then it transitions into a classic pop sort of Foo Fighters song, and then it ramps up again. Great choice, TFJ. Great choice. Uh, Why don't we go next to Kelly Moore? Well, there's a little backstory to this song. Back when I was doing the the Manitoba Moose games, uh, before the game would start, and I think even before the people in the arena, I can't remember, but anyway, they, they had this music tape that they would play. And so there was this song, you hear it all season long, so we're talking 41 home games, and I, I think I went about a season and a half before I took the time to find out who was singing it and, and what the name of the, the song was. But also, when you hear these lyrics, I think it's somewhat appropriate for what we're going through right now. <laughs> I like it. Some Chumbawamba. thing. That's a classic one-hit wonder, isn't it? Did McNabb just say no? I just said no. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, this is the particular lyric that I like uh, that's coming up here right now. Yeah, it's fitting right now, Kelly. That is good. Yeah. It just made me laugh it, it, because I remember um, we had a kid from Zimbabwe living with us one year, and he was obsessed with this song. And he play it. He play it like on repeat over and over again. So it just it became one of those no songs in our house. Forte, what's your selection, sir? Me? I'm kind of like uh, Tristan. Uh, uh, something heavy, something hard. So I went with... Let's go! I like it. Airborne, live it up. 
Good choice, sir. What is any particular attachment or emotional attachment to this song? Actually, no. Um, when I go for a walk or a strut, like I just put my uh, my phone onto just random random songs. And, yeah. You know, I'll skip songs that are too slow. I like something that's upbeat. Gets me going, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I went for a walk the other day and I've got this hip hop mix and I love all the songs on it, but it just wasn't doing it for me. It needed something with a bit more a bit more drive. McNabb, you you've labeled your clip here Nabbers Strut Your Butt Tune. Of course. Well, Kelly pulled that for me, so he's labeled it my strut my butt. But this this song, every time I hear it, like I just start bouncing. It I don't even know if this is a strutting song or a baby making song, but hit it. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh. oh, yes. Oh, that's a, another classic. This is a little less conversation. A lot more action. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a great one. Oh. This is a great one. Uh, I always think of Vegas. Yes. Oh, of course. Well, because oh, yeah. the song is heavily featured in Ocean's Eleven, which was set <laughs> in Las Vegas. Uh, so, But yeah, this sounds like something you would listen to in Las Vegas. And on that note, virtually every Elvis Presley song is, is strut-worthy. I'm thinking of Burning Love, great tune, Viva Las Vegas, of course, super uh, fun. Great choice, McNabb, I love it. Thank Ma- you. Mackling? Well, there's the best strutting song of all time, Forte. Well, it, you, you have two here, so I'm guessing this is the one that you're talking about right now. Oh, of course. <laughs> the best ever strut in the history of film is John Travolta's Walking Down uh. the Street. I think he's gone to pick up some paint or something, or he's delivering paint from the hardware store. Great, great, great scene. So it's impossible not to kind of get a little bit of attitude when you hear that song and stand up a little taller, your shoulders back a little more, and kind of look around. But there's only one song for me, because Loren put the qualifier, it could be your theme song. This would be my theme song. Oh, perfect. Another foo. Another food. Off the same album, I believe, Greg. I believe you're right. And what's the name of this tune? This is Walk, ironically enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is, this is the last song on the same album, and mine's the first song. Oh, well, So look we kind of guys. bookended it. Yeah. You guys should, uh, if, if, you, if you didn't have to physical distance each other, you could give each other a fist bump or a hug or something. Oh, sure, yeah. We're kindred spirits on the music front, uh, TFJ and I, on some stuff. But, yeah, this song just means so much to me. It it, it makes me think about uh, the challenges that we all face, the challenges we overcome, our ability to either find our own inner voice or our outer voice uh, in my particular circumstance and the ability just to, to come back from what we come back from. So it's a powerful song for keep, me. Keep, keep those suggestions coming at 204-780-6868 and we will share those throughout the show. But here, let me give you one more from me. This is a song that uh, uh, gives me a lot more spring in my step. It's on the heavier side as well with Tristan and Fortier. Oh, yeah. Bush. Yeah. Some machine head. Bush. Yeah, this one always gives me that kind of like it's like a nitro blast. If you're if you <laughs> if you need some need some energy, push machine head will do it. But keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868 TFJ with the news next on the start. I feel pumped.
We continue our COVID-19 coverage now, Greg, with what's going on south of the border. Yeah, Canada has now seen more than 4,000 cases of COVID-19. Many of the most recent cases are people who returned from travel, including from the United States, which now has the most cases in the world. The U.S. passed 85,000 cases yesterday, more than China or Italy, and yet the American president says he's considering sending troops to the border to protect Americans from us. Yeah, this was the global news story where our sources uh, confirmed to our Mercedes Stevenson that inside the White House there there was discussions about putting troops near the border. Uh, the theory was to prevent anyone illegally crossing into the states. That doesn't actually happen that often. Usually the crossings go the other way from the states into Canada, those illegal crossings. But sources said the goal would be to help border guards detect irregular crossings. Here's what the U.S. President Donald Trump had to say when asked about it yesterday. Well, we have very strong deployments on the southern border, as you know, with Mexico. And we had some troops up in Canada, but I'll find out about that. Uh, I guess it's equal justice to a certain extent. You know, we have a lot of things coming in from Canada. We have uh, trade, some illegal trade that we don't like. And we don't like steel coming through our border that's been dumped. So, Global's Reggie Giacchini has been monitoring these developments in Washington, including those rising cases in the United States. He joins us now. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. I wanted to ask, Canada's deputy PM said the move is unnecessary and potentially damaging to our relationships to discuss possibly putting troops at the border. Where's the sit this morning? Trump just had to throw in something about steel in his statement yesterday. I'm curious where this conversation actually is at. Yeah, I mean, look, when the president was asked that yesterday, it was clear that he almost had no idea what he was actually talking about when it came to troops at the border. Uh, you know, to be in the middle of a pandemic and he's talking about uh, trade issues and, and for some reason, one way or another, he thinks that steel is being able to be brought across, you know, the, the unmanned borders in Saskatchewan uh, to say that steel is being dumped. Obviously, the president was uh, potentially ill-informed on that. We're actually hearing now that the administration has dropped its consideration to bring uh, military troops towards the Canadian border. Uh, there was some confusion as to what their potential role would be, uh, you know, until we heard that they were going to be advising the border since the U.S. military can't act on home soil. But what we're hearing now, at least from defense officials and from in the administration, is the plan, at least for the time being, is no longer happening. Reggie, if this was the only confusing plan the White House had right now in terms of battling COVID-19. That would be a a fun story to talk about, but genuine concern about the president and his continued mantra that that they're moving towards reopening the country. And uh, he maybe is backing off a little bit on that Easter date, but the vision seems to be clear for the president. In fact, he he sent out a memo to, to state governors yesterday. Yeah, look, the president has said that Easter was a time on his calendar because it was a quote-unquote beautiful time and it was something aspirational for him. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, Easter is simply just a day on the calendar, he, he is eager, particularly after seeing those jobless claims come in yesterday at more than three million, a historic high for the U.S. He's been told by his own medical advisors, including Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, that he needs to be flexible. Dr. Fauci going on national TV, as he usually has to do, uh, to say that the coronavirus coronavirus does not follow a timeline. It works on its own. It does what it wants to do. And you can't simply just put an arbitrary day and say the virus is going to be stopped, despite the fact that the president is saying that he sees, quote unquote, a light at the end of the tunnel as we near the end of this battle. 
Yeah, and just looking at the global news story here, and I know you say that they've dropped the idea of, of putting troops there, but uh, something puts, that really puts us in perspective is that it's the longest uh, running unmilitarized border in the world. I mean, and to throw the idea, even the idea of putting troops there is, is really, I think, concerning uh, during this time of crisis. Well, of course it is. And again, it goes to show that President Trump often has immigration on the mind as the first and foremost problem for the United States outside of any other current issues, whether they be economic or whether they are an ongoing health crisis. Uh, The president has advisors around him who have kind of uh, uh, burned into his brain that immigration is an issue. That's why we've seen such a ramp up of military uh, personnel and spending at the southern border. But for the president now to, you know, have thought about putting military troops towards the Canadian border it simply doesn't jive, A, with the fact that a lot of border states have put their own uh, shelter-in-place orders in place, so nobody's crossing back and forth. But B, Canada and the U.S. have also closed the border. Uh, you know, and it's, it's hard to see why anybody would think that trade issues would be a part of any reason why the president would be concerned over the border right now. Uh, it, it's just more of that mixed messaging that we're hearing from this administration. Before we let you go, Reggie, you want to quickly talk about what's going on in some of the states, particularly New York appears to be or is really the epicenter of this. Half the cases in the U.S. now are coming from New York City in the Manhattan area. Are there any new restrictions in place or, or changes coming there to help clamp down on that? Well, I mean, there are some changes, but they are kind of gut-wrenching changes where you're seeing hospital staff now uh, verbally say out loud they're quickly hitting a point of where they're going to have to start choosing which patients they are going to uh, spend their time trying to save simply because they don't have the proper equipment to keep everyone alive. The governor is asking for tens of thousands of ventilators. Trump went on Fox News last night to say he doesn't believe some of the numbers that governors are using when it comes to asking for ventilators. But I think it's important right now that we also look across the country, the president has said there is not a problem across parts of the Midwest. That's where we're seeing spikes right now. Michigan and Illinois have seen spikes of 10% over the last week, and there's a growing fear now that there are going to be several epicenters across the United States, maybe not hitting New York's numbers, but coming close to, and that's going to put a strain on a healthcare system that's already stretched thin. Global's Reggie Giacchini is in Washington, joins us live on 680 CJOB from time to time. Reggie, thank you as always. Thank you. But Ren, right now we want to talk more about charities. Yeah, we've been talking about all the different parts of our economy, industries and others that are going to need some help in the months going forward. And yesterday, a coalition of Canadian charities asked Ottawa for a $10 billion stabilization fund for nonprofit organizations. It's money that would be used to pay staff, cover critical expenses during this pandemic. According to Canada Helps, the not-for-profit sector of our economy, and I bet you a lot of people didn't know this, it employs 1.4 million people, and organizations within that sector of the economy are often serving others in our community who are most vulnerable. So the chances of those client bases growing for those organizations that are going to be struggling right now, Greg, are really, really pretty good. Do we have Greg, Jeff? Well, it looks like we've lost Greg. Uh, Greg is broadcasting from home, and his uh, tie line connection, as we call it, his uh, digital connection has max headroomed out, so it appears we have lost him. So Danny Glenwright of Action Against Hunger joins us now to speak on behalf of the coalition. Uh, Danny, good morning to you. Good morning to all of you. So where should we start? I mean, there's so many aspects to this discussion. I guess uh, let's start with the ask. When did you reach out? Sure, we reached out this week. It's a co- we're a coalition of about 160 different charities from across Canada. 
Um, and what we are asking the government for is to consider us in the alleviation measures that they think about right now for Canadians. As you noted, we're about 10% of Canada's workforce in the, non- in the nonprofit sector. And uh, we provide services on the front lines here in Canada and our organization, uh, Action Against Hunger, all around the world. So we're just asking the government to spare a thought as they think about how this crisis is going to impact Canadians and recognize the huge role that charities and nonprofits play here in Canada. Give us a sense of how this works for so many nonprofits, uh, Danny, in, this, in, in, in terms of how money comes in, the grants, the government grants, the, the chair donations that you might rely on. How, what's the process for operations for, for many nonprofits? Sure. Well, I think what you can probably imagine is a bit trickier for us than for a business or corporation is that people donate to us. They want us to be spending that money as soon as possible on the needs of the people that we're serving. So we're all a bit worried right now because by their very nature, charities don't keep money in the bank. Donors want us to spend it. CRA wants us to spend it. So while we do plan for a rainy day and we do think about contingencies, we don't have the same cushion that a lot of others have. And we also struggle to get access to loans um, and to uh, short-term support from the banks. So it's it's a difficult situation for us, uh, and that's what we're asking the government to acknowledge right now. Now, donations are going to be more difficult to come by. At the same time, the need for the services provided in some sectors, uh, that need is going to be growing. Exactly. Right now, Canadians need support, whether it's the homeless, whether it's the food banks, whether it's kids' help phone we are still our services are still being needed and right now we're juggling between trying to keep our staff safe and trying to continue to provide those services on the front line for an organization like ours at action against hunger right now we're responding in 50 countries in the developing world where there's a big fear of the third wave of this covid 19 crisis hitting crowded refugee camps in places like syria and south sudan and we know that if this situation blows up there that it's going to eventually come back and affect us here in Canada. This uh, crisis, if nothing else, has shown that we're all in this together. So right now we've got donors stepping up and saying, you know what, we still have our jobs. We want to give more. We know you're on the front line. But we also expect there's going to be some people who lose their jobs and they won't be able to continue to give to their charities, which is why we're hoping the government can step in and, and fill that gap. So again, the ask to Ottawa was a $10 billion stabilization fund for nonprofit organizations. Danny, have you heard anything back or expect to have some communication soon on this front? Listen, I know they're really busy and we, we fully respect that there's a lot on their plate right now. I think they will be considering this proposal and we expect to hear from them soon. We're also putting forward a couple other ideas, such as increasing the charitable uh, tax credit from 50% to 75%, which is in line which what with what you would get if you donate to a political party in Canada. And maybe they can also help us ease some of the restrictions that banks place on charities uh, in order to take short-term loans. So, yes, I'm sure they're considering it. I think the government knows the huge role we play here in Canada. I think in the international development sector, we're very thankful that the ministers already acknowledge the work we're doing internationally to fight this, this crisis spreading. Um, and uh, I think it's a matter of time before the government puts the measures out for us. And in terms of the danger of charities having to, to fold because of this crisis, I mean, how big is that danger right now? Well, you've got to think about that many charities in Canada, they rely on events or face-to-face fundraising. And right now, even in this quarter, we've seen the Cancer Society cancel their daffodil campaign this year. We know that Many other charities, including my own, are looking at events that we hold throughout the year and thinking, is there going to be an appetite to have an in-person event? Will there be corporate support for it? 
will people be in the mood to go out and celebrate at a big gala? So I think that, um, you know, there's not a single charity in Canada that isn't looking at the year ahead and trying to plan for a big drop in donations. All right. Danny Glenwright of Action Against Hunger joining us now live on 680 CJOB. Danny, thank you so much for the time. We very much appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much for featuring our campaign. Take care. And again, a reminder, go to 680 or to CJOB's website, cjob.com, and look for 680 CJOB and Global Winnipeg Give Back. Hal Anderson is going to feature an interview with the charity this afternoon at 345, and we want to step up and help out these charities because we know that Manitoba always comes through. Your generosity is world-renowned, and we need to help out right now and again this afternoon i'll be helping out the winnipeg humane society from one until five with their 1001 donations campaign uh, which is presented by vicar automotive it's mac yes i wanted to know if you're worried that you might find yourself coming home with uh, a dog or cat by the end of the day well you know what if i was actually (laughs) at the humane society Uh, there is a significant danger of that but i'll be broadcasting right from one of the production studios here at CJOB, uh, which is too bad because I was really looking forward to this. I did this last year and it was right. such a fun day at work uh, because I got to hang out with dogs and cats. And uh, who doesn't want to hang out with dogs and cats, especially now? I'm so lonely, Loren. Yes. I am so lonely. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. There's so many people that... Who who did we interview earlier this week from clinic who said they just went out and got a dog? So, yeah, I get it. And even my own kids yesterday in my son's reading work, he had to decide what was a fact and what was opinions. And he wrote down, fact, we are getting a dog. <laughs> right like, on. That is opinion, kid. That is an opinion. Hey, oh, and by the way, one of the things you guys are missing is... Uh, uh, Diana Forsberg, one of our colleagues on the other side of the building, she's been bringing in her little dog Tucker every no! day. Yeah. What kind of dog is Tucker? Do you have a picture you could send me? I think I might have. If, if I don't have one, I'm sure she's got one on her social media. I'll see what I can dig up, but he's a happy little guy. Uh, so I'll try to get a video of him when he shows up today, shortly after 9. Right now... On a program, we like to celebrate the accomplishments of Manitobans who do extraordinary things. And our next guest falls into that category, Loren. So she was a star in the NCAA with the University of Utah. That's where she became the all-time leader in blocks. This, of course, led to an opportunity to try out for the Seattle Storm in the WNBA. And then last season, she played professional basketball in Poland, Greg. Yeah, and it's a season that came, unfortunately, like most professional leagues, to a premature end. All of this would be enough of a reason to have her join us on the start. Winnipeg's Emily Potter joins us now. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. It's great to have you back with us. We've visited with you before, of course, on your on your track to the WNBA. It's great to have you back. You sure had quite the adventure in getting home from Poland in the midst of this COVID-19 outbreak tell us about the challenges you had in in terms of getting home yeah so i was actually in the czech republic um and getting home took a couple days um the czech republic had been in a state of emergency for about a week before i left so i was you know isolated there our season got canceled i headed to the airport um last wednesday and my flight was canceled. So then I, then the panic, you know, sets in and I was like, I'm not leaving this airport. Like I got to find a way home. 
I'll, I'll camp out here if I have to, but I ended up changing my flights, spending the night in London, and then going from there to Toronto to home. And now I gather you have to isolate yourself for the next two weeks. Yeah, so now I'm on day eight of self-isolation. So with that self-isolation, and we've been talking, you know, for, for several days now about the challenges that poses, what's been the hardest part for you? How are you, how are you doing? Yeah, I think the hardest part is now being home, but still not being able to see, you know, all my friends and family that I've been away from for months. I was home at Christmas for a couple of days, you know, got to see everybody. And, and now it's like I'm home, but I still have to stay away from everybody. So that's, that's been hard. You've been a superstar in terms of basketball, but you've also been a superstar in terms of mental wellness, advocacy, and awareness. You, you did an incredible uh, paper or a, or an article for uh, the school newspaper when you're back in Utah coming forth and, and sharing your experience with your battles with, with mental health. Emily, are you facing any other challenges on that front, uh, being in isolation and and talk about your your commitment to to being so uh, such a strong advocate for for mental wellness. Well, thank you. Yeah, I personally I'm in a really good spot right now, so I'm thankful that you know I feel um, mentally well coming into this isolation. Um, but I know that people that you know don't maybe have never really struggled with their mental health might feel that take a dip. Um, in this time because it's so unknown and so um, yeah never really happened before right so I'm doing my best to you know be there for other people and just spread the message that um, it's okay to kind of feel what you're feeling right now. How's your isolation been like do you have any tips for anybody else who might have to find themselves in a similar position? Yeah I think um for me, you know, it's, it's been challenging, but I've just been trying to keep myself busy, you know, whether it's doing workouts in my basement. I try to get a little bit of fresh air away from everybody once a day um, and then trying to, like, start up some hobbies that maybe you don't usually have time for. So, you know, puzzles. Um, I've been doing some sewing projects, coloring, like just more arts and crafts stuff that I don't always have time for. I'm glad that you mentioned the workouts in the basement because I was going to ask about how you keep fit and and how you are planning for the future because I think one of the things that's stressing so many out is this uncertainty. You don't know how long this is going to go on. We don't know where we're going to be in terms of both the pandemic or economic or jobs in days or weeks from now. And so that puts questions about even your own future, I'm sure, up in the air in terms of what you hope to be doing come fall again. So what is the plan going forward for you if you know, we get through this when we get through this. Yeah, that's definitely, it can be scary to look far ahead. So right now I try to take it, you know, a day at a time or um, even sometimes an hour at a time and and that's okay. You know, I'm still going to try to keep in shape. I've been trying to do yoga every day, which is something I usually don't get to do. Um, Riding the bike inside, just, just doing different workouts. And, you know, the plan was to do some training with Team Canada this summer in June, but I don't know, you know, if that's still going to be on. And obviously heading back overseas in September is my goal to play in Europe there. I don't know um, what team yet I'll be signing with, but um, yeah, that's it's really far off in the future right now. So just try to take it one day at a time. Emily, we talk a lot about hockey in Canada, but 
uh, you know, basketball is an incredibly popular sport in this part of the world. Steve Nash maybe launched things for, for a whole lot of people. The number of opportunities that basketball has created for you is, is extraordinary. So maybe if there's young person out there listening this morning and, and maybe they might have people telling them, oh, basketball is not the sport for you to pursue. Uh, there's, there's, there's zero end. There's a, it's a zero sum game. There, there, there's no uh, genuine uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. What would you tell them? I would just tell them to, to do what they love and find, you know, their passion that way. Um, right now I do get paid, thankfully, to play basketball professionally. But at this point I might still do it for free just because I love it so much. So it doesn't have to be basketball. I mean, team sports are a great way to stay active and, and meet people. And I've learned so many life lessons through basketball. But <clears throat> excuse me, it all just comes down to loving what you do at the end of the day. You just cleared your throat. Uh, have you when you talk to people and and you, if you cough or you clear your throat, is the immediate thought, "Oh my God, are you sick?" Yeah, I think people are. are um, I think everybody's a little self conscious of that, um, and just being home these this last week or so, I've just been super aware of my own body and how I've been feeling because you know if, if I get sick, obviously I don't want anybody else to get sick. So I've been a little paranoid that way, but it's day eight now and I'm, I'm feeling good. So I think I'm in the clear, but you know, I just got to wait out that 14 days. Hey, before we let you go, we've been talking this morning about songs that we like to strut to or songs that pump us up or theme music. Do you have anything that gets you going when you go out for your walk or your workout? Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm just into any like kind of like, um, hip hop, you know, pump up music right now. Um, some good remixes. My sister is a spin instructor, so she always has, you know, yeah. crazy remixes of, of songs to get you pumped up. So I just kind of listen to whatever she's listening to. I got to say, when you're doing spin, and I don't know, Greg or Brett, if you've ever done it, if, when they play that music, it really does make a difference in making you go harder than you've ever gone before. Am I wrong? Oh, definitely. And I, I miss that, you know, going to going to fitness classes and being around other people. You know, I'm competitive. I like to compete against the person next to me. So now I just got to do it in my in my living room by myself. Oh, no. You're that person. Okay. We couldn't yeah. do a spin <laughs> class together. Okay. <laughs> All right. Winnipeg's Emily Potter joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And uh, hopefully you don't go stir crazy in the rest of your isolation. Thank you for having me, guys. Tackling McGarry and McNabb before we introduce our next guest. We've been getting all kinds of shout-out requests over the last couple of weeks with everybody working so hard amid this pandemic. And McNabb, uh, we got a special request uh, in our inbox just a few moments ago. Yeah, this one came uh, straight to me from the city of Winnipeg, and she just wanted to, this is one of their communications person, and she said, would you mind, if you're still taking accolades for workers, uh, our CAO, Mike Ruda, would like to send the following out, and it goes, you would like to thank the city of Winnipeg frontline staff for their service, including everyone assisting residents when required, including city staff, contractors who are working so hard to keep things running. Huge thank you to staff in transit, public works, water and waste, planning, property and development, and the Office of Emergency management and of course 311 you can be, you can bet all sorts of services are getting all sorts of different calls guys and so that shout out is from the city of winnipeg cao to city staff so i want to ask you guys something here 
Uh, do you ever walk down a street like so often that when you see something that you didn't notice before, do you think, has that always been there? McNab- or Mackling, does that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah, that happens to me all the time. And I find it more particularly when I'm in a car because I'm always the driver that I miss out on stuff. And then every once in a while when I am a passenger, things will jump out at me and it's like, is that always, like you say, has that always been there? Mackling. And it's it's kind of bothersome. And by the way, Mackling, the Max Headroom thing is happening uh, again. So sorry, why, don't, why don't we try to get him on the phone? Why don't we just bring Mackling in on the phone rather sure. than I'm the, call in. Yeah, rather than the, uh, the digital uh, funkiness? But the reason I ask this is I'm out for a while. Like I, I've said it before, I used to live at Corridon and Harrow. Now I live in Osborne Village, so I still walk the exact same route. I just walk up Osborne to Corridon to Stafford and then up Grosvenor and back. So I'm walking, I'm heading westbound on... Gordon towards Stafford. I'm on the north side of the street and I look over to the south side and I see this sign for a business called Amoeba TV and it's uh, some sort of a kids programming service and I thought I have never noticed that sign (laughs) and so I looked at their website and I thought my god this looks amazing it looks like the content that is available for for kids who are probably all stuck at home right now so I just phoned them and said, is this your head office? And they said, yep. So Tony Havelka from Amoeba TV joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Hello there, Tony. Hey, good morning to you and your listeners. So, um, well, first of all, uh, what is Amoeba TV? Amoeba TV is a streaming service devoted just to kids' content. Uh, it doesn't have anything else but that uh, from kids like 2 to 10 years old. Uh, ranging from live content, like live action, to animation, music, educational, entertaining. We pretty much, if it's professionally produced um, and uh, it's for kids, uh, it's on Amoeba. So do you su- okay. subscribe to it like you would uh, yeah, Netflix? You can do, we have two. Uh, we have two kind of uh, streams. One's a free stream, so it's ad supported. Um, but we really try to encourage parents to uh, move to the subscription side um, because uh, the experience is just a little better for for the viewing side. But we understand. Like we've been around since uh, 2007, so we've gone through different. Uh, financial crisis and SARS, and we've been through these kinds of uh, environments before, and we understand sometimes there's some pressures on, uh, you know, the financial side because subscription still requires you to to take out, you know, your your wallet and and pay for it. So we had a free side, but the subscription side is so inexpensive. It's four ninety nine a month if you pay for the whole year at one time. It's nineteen ninety nine, so that's a dollar sixty five a month. Greg, go ahead. Tony Brett was mentioning this whole idea of of walking down the street and seeing something that you've never seen before. I try to be pretty on top of what's going on in the city of Winnipeg. I just want to requalify this. First of all, you are based in Winnipeg. Yes. And you've been around since 2007. How did you guys get started? This is incredible. We had another business. We still do. We still run another business called Tech Gear, and we do like virtual reality stuff, and we build hardware. 
Um, at the time, we saw a need uh, for streaming. Uh, streaming uh, was a kind of a brand new thing. YouTube had popped up already, but just not in its current, you know, mega state. Um, and we had the ability uh, to build a kind of software component to our business. So that's where Amiibo kind of came out of, out of a need uh, that we saw in the in the business that was growing. And um, from there, we just started off with I think it was like twenty titles from some Canadian distributors. Uh, and then it's just, it's grown to where we are today. Um, we are only in Canada and the USA um, for a number of reasons. More about, uh, it's not the Wild West anymore for streaming. It's not like you can just pop up in a new territory and start streaming. Like there's regulatory issues, there's safety concerns for kids, and those are all different through different territories. So just making sure that you're, you're complying with the law, you're safe, your everything just takes time. So I imagine you've been busy lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, to say, to put it, you know, very mildly, busy is uh, the word. But again, got to remember, we're a technology company. Um, we've been building this infrastructure that we have, so that as long as the computers are going, we can handle anything you know that comes our way. We've watched um, the actual audience numbers spike. But that has not, you know, had an issue on quality. Actually, the quality has gone up because a lot more providers are saying, I need to get my content out there. So the people that we talk to about content are now kind of getting off their chair and going, yeah, let's just upload it. And we're adding new content every day now. What kind of content? Can you explain a bit more? You mentioned it's everything from, you know, live action to educational. And for me as a mom of two, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't put on a few YouTube videos to teach the kids a few things mm-hmm. this week. Just because, you know, you're working from home. We're privileged to be working from home right now. We're lucky for that. But we also are trying to keep the schooling going. So give me a sense of what yep. kind of educational stuff I could be streaming right now through you. Yeah, it all depends on, uh, obviously, the where you want to be uh, or where your children are in the kind of educational stream. Um, but we have everything from, like, crafting, uh, just kids' crafts, where we have some really good um, artists that have put together um, uh, videos, instructional videos of how to do things like that they do, but with the kids. So you didn't need all the special tools and all that stuff for them. Um, we've got things that are like uh, music, uh, motion and dance. Those are kind of things just to get kind of the, just the, you know, the wiggles out, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, it really ranges from like nostalgic shows. We've got things like Skinamarink TV, things that you might have grown up with. You can sit down and watch with your kids um, to some things that are just plain entertainment, like uh, UGO, uh, just action. And it's just something to, to keep the kids engaged and entertained. Now, I don't recommend that you sit your kids down like at nine o'clock and then at five o'clock come pick them up kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Even though that might be a fantasy, but it's not. It's, It's just part of it. And I think those are some of the things that as parents, we have to say like, we have to teach kids how to consume media. uh, Well, we're, you know, go in there, find something that you like, but then go read a book. Um, we're trying to work with uh, publishers now with, on book sides so that you know, we can do read-alongs because reading a book is still very important. Um, where your curriculum is it, at your school, that's probably your best resource right now. Like don't, don't say, oh, I just go to Amoeba because they've got all this stuff. Use your school still. Use us as kind of secondary for this so that when the kids are, you know, finish their lessons or finish what they need to do, this is just something to kind of wind down or kind of maybe 
wind up a little bit. They just use it as kind of a secondary um, uh, media outlet. Tony, Canada traditionally has been very strong, punches above its weight class, I would suggest, in terms of children's programming. Has that made it easier to connect with quality television and other program providers? And, 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 and is this something that's been beneficial to your business? Canada, I say, puts out some of the top kids shows out there. We have companies like Nelvana, which probably everybody knows of. Um, Nelvana's got a lot of content on Amoeba. Um, it's not like it's easier or harder, um, because keep in mind, like a, a great company like Nelvana already sits at the table with, you know, some of the big guys like Bell and in the States, you know, with Nickelodeon and things. It's sometimes the smaller companies that don't have a seat at that table that have award-winning content, but it never saw broadcast TV. Those are the people that are finding services like ours that are just, we take them, we show them a big audience, and we get some great distribution, and then kids get to enjoy that too. So it kind of runs the gamut. Um, we have a lot of uh, content from Canadian producers, um, which, is, which is great, and we also have them from around the world. Uh, so you can see stuff that you might not have ever seen before um, that was running, you know, like in a, um, you know, a, a show or a broadcaster in Germany or a broadcaster in Italy when they've got, you know, uh, English dubs for them. How do you consume the content? Like the website is amoebatv.com. Do I go there or is there yeah. an app? You can start there. Uh, that's a great start because you can kind of, you know, you don't have to download anything. You can just kind of see what's what's there and if it's for you. Uh, we have an, uh, all the apps, so iOS and Android. You can put it on your phone, on your tablet. We've got smart TVs. Um, a popular one is like a Roku, like a little box that you connect to your device, uh, to your TV. Um, Fire Stick, uh, Amazon, um, Xbox 360. Pretty much uh, most, of your, most of your smart TVs are out there. It has an Amoeba app on it. Wow. Well, this is, this is really cool, man. I, like, yeah, when I first went to the website, I thought, I, it's, it's funny how we have that mentality. Like, I can't believe this is, uh, this is based in Winnipeg, but this is really great stuff, and I'm sure a lot of parents are looking for uh, ways to keep their kids occupied and educated, and it's cool to know that uh, there's someone right in our own backyard doing this. Yeah, and always keep in mind that... Uh, you know, the hard part right now, and we see a lot of people talk about this, is keeping the providers paid. Uh, every subscription, most of it goes to the provider. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, they take, a, they take a lion's share of it, and uh, it keeps that, that industry going. Like, we're still the, not Amoeba, but the parents are the engine of this industry. So their demand is causing more demand, and it's trickling down to them. So more content can be produced. Uh, more educational content will be shown to their kids. It's just, it's a, it's a virtuous cycle of, uh, uh, of industry. Well, Tony Havelka, thank you so much for taking time to tell us about Amoeba TV. We appreciate this, man. Sure. Thank you for calling. Stay safe. All right. It is amoebatv.com uh, is the website. And again, they're located on Corridon, just east of Stafford on the south side. So you might see the sign uh, just on the lawn. It's, a set, it's one of those businesses that's been set up in an old house on Corridon. And I, he did tell me when I spoke to him earlier this week, he said that the sign just went up a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I haven't been ignoring it for five years. I just never, <laughs> the sign wasn't there. Uh, but yeah, it just hit me like, why have I never noticed this? I need to pay more attention to my surroundings. Again, that website, Amiga 
AmoebaTV.com. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.